It's Happy Father's Day. Thanks to all the kids and the moms who helped pull those video clips together. You know, as I was watching through those, um, I was just thinking about uh, what a great gift God has given the Eagle Church family with the number of amazing dads. Um, so many of you, I've learned so much through the years from watching you as dads, the way that you fathered your kids. And I've also thought about uh, the impact so many of you have had on my own daughters. And just want to say thank you, dads. I thought about all the spiritual fathers, um, just the way that we're not only a biological father at times, sometimes we have a father figure, a father type role, a mentoring role in other kids' lives. And I just think that's such a beautiful gift that the church family is together. As a matter of fact, I just want to encourage us right now on the online, on your, uh, on your chat room right now, I'd love for you just to put some names in the chat room of those dads that have been like spiritual fathers, that have been mentor types. Just go ahead and start filling up the chat with names. I think that would be a super encouraging thing to share with each other. And thanks for our online hosts and everybody who's joined us that way from all around the country. Just jump in there and say, hey, this person's been like a, a spiritual father to my kids. This person's been a mentor. This person's had a great impact. And so I think it'll just help reinforce the whole role of fathering beyond just the biological nature of it. And recognize today as Father's Day, it brings a mixed bag of emotions for so many. Right? Today's a day where uh, some just are filled with gratitude and joy. They look back and they think about the relationship they currently have with their, with their dad or what they used to have with their dad. They're just so grateful for the memories, for the investment, uh, for the impact. And, and equally so, this is a day filled for some with emotion that's on the opposite end of the spectrum. It's filled with disappointment, with sadness, with unresolved stuff. Just some things are just not how they're supposed to be. And recognize that for some of you today. And others of you today, it's a, a really emotional day because uh, maybe you said goodbye to your earthly father this year, and it's your first Father's Day without your dad's physical presence uh, with you. And others of you have a, another layer of grief and loss that uh, maybe you're the father who had to say goodbye to your kids, and all that comes with that, uh, being a dad on a Father's Day, having lost some uh, child or children, and just thinking of you today. And then also, uh, I'm thinking about a whole group of guys listening today who you long to be a father, and 2020 finds you still waiting and just thinking about you today, and the whole spectrum that comes with Father's Day. And you know, the single uh, most common metaphor for God in the Scriptures, you know it's the word Father. It's used 247 times in the New Testament alone. So the writers of Scripture, led by the Holy Spirit, when they were reaching for a human metaphor to describe God's relationship with us, when they want us to get a hold of, okay, this is what God's like, this is what it means to walk with God and relate to God, they pulled and they reached for the term Father. And in that stream today, Dad's... My prayer is that this would be a morning of encouragement to you. We don't need statistics today. We don't need to be reminded about the significance of weight of things today. I think we just need a good, healthy word of encouragement. And I want to offer that today from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. So if you've got a Bible near you, the message notes are also available there online as well. 
And um, if the kiddos need some more kid age-appropriate programming, I think the online host can direct the kiddos to some of that as well. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, here's what Paul says about fathers. Verse 11, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into His kingdom and glory. So everyone in their living rooms or wherever you're at, I just want you to repeat three words after me. Ready? Encouraging, comforting, urging. Ready? Say it again. Encouraging, comforting, urging. Dads, I want that to be a little bit of a, a vision for our fatherhood to give it some, a little framework for what it means to be a dad fathering in the way God the Father fathers us. John Eldridge is a, a writer. I've read several of his books. I commend his writings to you. And John Eldridge tells the story of visiting Alaska on vacation, specifically Chichagoff Island. Here's a picture of Chichagoff Island, and I'm giving a shout out to our Alaska contingency, the Klepper family, Mike and Monique Klepper, who just moved from Whitestown to Alaska. <laughs> a little different scenery, would you agree? <laughs> a little different than uh, uh, Whitestown that way, but shout out to you Kluppers. We love you. We miss you. We're glad you're staying connected with us online this way. Well, John Eldridge visited this particular island that's known for its amazing scenery, but it also has a large population of grizzly bears. A, a little different than hiking at Turkey Run when you're hiking at Chichagoff Island, all right? So grizzly bears and evidently the park ranger and the conservation staff, when you arrive to, to do some wilderness journeys at Chichagoff, they give you a little pamphlet that says, if you run into a grizzly bear, and then they describe like some of the details about a grizzly bear. Here's a, here's a picture of a grizzly. They grow up to eight feet tall, right? <laughs> they weigh upwards of 800 pounds. They can run 35 miles an hour. Check the claws out on that image. So the claws, they say, can grow up to four inches long. You picture that? <laughs> and then in the midst of it, in their guidance, as they say, if you, if you run into one of these creatures in the wild, here's what the park ranger staff tells you to do. It says, quote, look large and back away slowly. Are you kidding me? Not super helpful. Are you, look large. There's no, there's nothing, if you have a physique like mine, there's no way I'm ever going to look large in the eyes of a grizzly bear, Right? And then back away slowly? Are you kidding me? That's the best advice they can give in Alaska if you run across a grizzly. I'm grateful we don't have to worry about that when we're hiking around Turkey Run, right? So John Eldridge, he's hiking around Chichagoff Island. He comes to this big open field area, like a big open meadow. And the ground of the meadow is really, really soft and so he looks at it, and he's with a guide, and he says, you know, I, I don't think we can cross. It's about 400 yards long, he said. He says, I don't think we can cross this. I think it's too uncertain. Uh, we could just, we could end up getting stuck here. And so about that time, the guide looks down, and he says, no, John, look. And he points to a big grizzly bear print. And here's a picture of a grizzly bear print. So he points, and then he proceeds to explain to John Eldridge, he said, Hey, look across this meadow. 
For potentially hundreds and hundreds of years, the grizzly bears have been going across this open field. And they've placed their feet in such a way that the current grizzly bears put their foot in step with where the previous generations of bears have gone because the weight of the grizzly bears over the years has firmed up the soil, has kind of brought a stability to the ground. So basically, and this is what the guide said, so he said, so John, all we need to do is put our feet in step with where the grizzly bears had put their feet. If we follow their prints, we'll get across the meadow just fine. And in my head, I thought, and I hope we don't land at their particular, you know, reserve, like grizzly bear party on the other side, right? <laughs> Follow the footprints to where? But that's what they did. And when I saw this image, I thought, dads, isn't this a, isn't this a perfect image for fathering? Dads, here's a commission God gives, gives us as a father, that we're to step out into the open fields of life and no doubt into some terrain that's a little unsettled, a little soft, a little uncertain, not quite sure how we're going to get through. And with the weight by His grace of our role as a father, with our fathering weight, we press the soil down. We, pray, we place a print in the soil of life. And then by His grace, we turn to our kids and we say, hey, put your feet where I put mine. And today, dads, there's three words for three of the footprints right here. Encouraging, comforting, and urging in the language of 1 Thessalonians 2. They're like footprints across the open fields of life that as the Father fathers us, we seek to father our children in this way. And the first one, encouraging. I thought about how this is in Jesus, I put a scripture in your notes here. Here's how Jesus said it in John chapter 5. Listen to what Jesus said, John 5, 19 to 20. He says, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. So translated with our metaphor today, Jesus says, I only put my feet where the Father put his. Is that, that's, that's God the Son speaking about God the Father. Say, you know what? In this life, I'm just going to put my feet where the Father put his. And one of the things Jesus discovered as he did that at his baptism at the end of Matthew chapter 3, said the heavens opened and the voice from heaven, his father's voice, comes upon Jesus. Holy Spirit is poured out, said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. What a picture of encouragement, dads. That God the Father encouraging God the Son, I love you, I'm with you, I'm for you, I'm well pleased with you. I thought about that yesterday as we were, the Simpson crew made their way around the first set of grad parties, so shout out to the graduates, congratulations again to all of our graduates, but we started the day with the Bostick family in Avon, so Amelia Bostick, congratulations, Amelia, enjoyed being with her and, and her family there, and then we made our way to the Steffi family, congratulations, Steffi family, I think Susan's one of our online hosts today, and they hosted a great party, and, and then we ended the day at the Wilhoit family, congratulations, Kayla and uh, your family. So we just, I thought about 
Uh, the parties were all great. They were hosted so well. And there were picture boards and there were award tables and there were memory books and, of course, great food because grad party day for me is literally, I just eat from, you know, the time we arrive till the, the time we wrap it up. And it was, it was just a lot of fun. I enjoy talking to the graduates for sure. Yesterday, talking to Amelia and talking to Jenna and talking to Kayla, enjoyed that. But you know what I enjoy even a little bit more? I enjoy chatting with the parents and moms and dads just thinking about this day. What a threshold moment it is to just think about the role of, you know, passing through a high school graduation and to reflect a little bit on the journey and to think about all the prayers that you've prayed and all the counsel you've sought to give and sometimes the discipline along the way and the wondering if you're getting it right and as a dad trying to put your feet in the right places and trying to help your kids hopefully follow in the right steps and here they are, 18 years old, about to push off into the next stage of life. And in a sense, grad parties is like an 18-year culmination of encouragement. Is that true, Dad? Like literally you've tried to encourage your kids for 18 years to be who God's made them to be, to step into everything God's called them to step into. You've sought to encourage them, to affirm them, to celebrate them. And that's how like, it's like a grad party. It's like all the decorations and all the picture boards and, and all the memory books and everything. It's like a, a display of just trying to say to our 18-year-old graduates, we're with you and we encourage you to embrace all that God has. And so dads, I think it's a really important word for us that may it be one of the legacies we leave with our fathering that we father from a base of encouragement to join God the Father's words to God the Son at the baptism. You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. I'm for you. I'm proud of you. I admire you. I celebrate you. That's a big part of being a dad. It's just to celebrate and affirm the kids that we have been given. And then from encouraging, what's the second word? Does anybody remember what the second word from 1 Thessalonians 2 is? Comforting, right? There's a comforting role that we have as dads. And it reminded me, I thought about, so fourth grade, Newton, Iowa, the flag football draft took place. I got drafted on the Minnesota Vikings flag football team in Newton, Iowa in the fourth grade. I was so fired up. We had a big band of fourth graders all together. We had a coaching staff. We went into training camp. We went into practices. And our dialogue was like everybody's dialogue in training camp. Do you know how the dialogue goes in every football team in training camp? Like you feel like you're going to win a lot of games. I haven't met a team yet in training camp who doesn't believe they're going to win a lot of games. Rightfully so. You should be optimistic. And we were that way. We're like a Vikings, man. We looked at our schedule. We looked at our talent pool. We looked at our plays. We're like, I think we're going to win a lot of games. And then the season started. Not so much. So we went, <laughs> right? We went, oh, for the first nine games. Oh, and nine. We not only didn't win any of the first nine games, we didn't score a single point. Not one. <laughs> not one point. My, my mom and my dad and my grandma, they didn't miss a game. 
And my grandma, I think she felt so like sorry for us and she had so much compassion for us that she wanted to like put an incentive in all of our like fourth grade contracts on this team. She's trying to like incentivize our contracts. So about game four or five, she comes to the coach and she's like, hey coach, can I have a word with the team? My grandma at the end of one of the practices says, hey boys, if you just score a point, any point, I don't care if it's a touchdown, a safety, whatever you need, just score a point this year. I'm going to throw the whole team a football, uh, a pizza party. <laughs> I thought, all right. Now we were 0-9, heading into our 10th and final game. Still no pizza party. We still hadn't scored a point. She says, you don't even have to win the game. You don't even have to play well. Just score. Well, 10th and final game of the season. Practice week. Coach is scratching his head thinking, i got to figure out a way to get these boys to score a point. So he comes up with this play. He, call, he designs a new play for the final game of the season, and he's waiting for just the right moment in the game when he's going to call it. And it's called the Statue of Liberty play. Coaches listening right now. You remember the Statue of Liberty play in flag football? So the way it went was our backup quarterback was going to take the snap, okay? I was lined up over here on the right in the slot. My role, because of my physique, I've been built this way. Believe it or not, this is the most I've ever weighed in the human experience. So back in fourth grade, can you picture me? I mean, if the people caught me, I would like snap, but I would run like the wind. So they would split me out or put me in the slot, and my role was run as straight as you can, as fast as you can. That was my role on the Statue of Liberty play. So the ball is to snap to our backup quarterback, and our backup quarterback is to take the ball, and he's supposed to get in this pose like he's going to throw it. Okay, here's the Statue of Liberty. And our starting quarterback lined up on the other side, and he did a little end around, and he snags the ball. Statue of Liberty, see it? Do you see it? No mocking in the chat room right now, right? All you X's and O's guys. No mocking. Just Statue of Liberty play. Vikings, Newton, Iowa. This is epic. This is going to go down in the annals of football history. Here it is. The quarterback. Snap. Get it. Backup quarterback. Regular quarterback. Grabs it. I'm running. Straight fly pattern. The defenders around me were so confused by what's happening in our backfield, they left me all alone. There wasn't a defender within 10 yards of me when our regular QB launches this pass. Perfect spiral. I mean, this thing is coming in, and it is coming in, and, it's, and I'm running hard, and it looks, I go, man, he just laid a great pass out there, and it comes in, and it hits my hands right here, and I bring it in, just like the coach said, look at the X, look at the X, look at all the way in. I look at all the way in. I turn my eyes to look to the end zone. There's nothing between me and the end zone, and I'm running like this, and as I bring the ball in, my right knee comes up. That's exactly how it went. I mean, literally all in one motion. It was like this, boom. And if you, I, I wish I had a soundtrack for what happened in the sound around that football field. <laughs> we went from massive celebration to deafening silence. The whistle blows. The pass is incomplete. I went from a sure touchdown pass to a complete incomplete pass. And I was standing in the center of the field, like this, you know it's bad when the referee comes over to you. The referee comes over, pats me on the back. Everybody's just silent. They don't even know what to say. And the game, it ends. I don't know. I think we were third or fourth quarter there. We didn't have that many possessions left, and we never scored. 
That was our chance, and I dropped the pass. My needs, how does that happen? Just so you know, my grandma, such a compassionate woman, she bought us all a pizza party anyway. It was like consoling us, I think, at the end of our 0-10, not even scoring one point. Well, at the end of that game, my mom and my dad, they find me on the field. I really didn't want to leave the field area because I was just, ah, I was just so frustrated and upset. And mom and dad knew it, and they came, and they kind of one on each shoulder and put their arms around me. I'll never forget the first thing my dad said to me. Dad, if you're listening today, I still remember what you said. You said, hey, son, you ran a great route. (laughs) You ran it just like they designed it. Just what it meant to be. Just kind of a freak thing. You know, your knee just hit it the wrong spot. But man, you ran a great route. And then mom chimed in and said something like, yeah, all you guys, you gave your best all season long. And, you know, they're trying to, is that comforting? And I thought of that story, dads, because I thought how often in life our kids are going to hit an 0-10 stretch somewhere. And when that happens, when the ball doesn't quite bounce the way we want it to bounce, When the circumstances don't unfold for our kids the way we want them to unfold, I even thought most recently, like for our 2020 graduates, like everything that they had hoped and planned for their spring semester, their graduating semester, and just how much disappointment has been there, and and how much you as parents, especially you as dads, have had to kind of have a comforting presence uh, during this stretch. And, And this is real life, right? Real life isn't 10 and 0 and Super Bowl runs. Real life's, real life's more like 8 and 8 or sometimes 4 and 12 or sometimes 0 and 10. And real life is deep disappointment where you feel like you had it and then it bounced right out of your hands. And dad's in those moments. Here's our role as a father. We're to step in alongside our kids. We're to encourage them and we're to comfort them. Mainly comforting them with your physical presence. An arm on a shoulder, a hug, a prayer, and I love you, and maybe even a tear now and then. So the first sprint across the fields of the open life of Chickajoff Island is encouraging. And the second print is comforting. And the third and final print, do you remember the word? Urging. Right? First Thessalonians 3 says there's this urging. Urging what? To live lives worthy of God. So dads, there is a role we have to urge our kids to give their best academically. Absolutely. Give their best athletically. Absolutely. Give their best artistically. Absolutely. Give their best relationally. Make wise choices in your friendship circle. Absolutely. Dads, think of all the time and energy we spend in that space. But the Scripture says, Paul says, 1 Thessalonians 2 says, we actually need to equally urge, or perhaps at the top of the stack, I think, is this. The number one urging role we're to have as a dad is to urge our kids to live lives worthy of God. 
Like our urging is supposed to be that they would prioritize their spiritual development above their academic development, even their athletic development, their artistic development, that, we, that they would prioritize who they're becoming as a child of God in Jesus. That we would urge them that we would urge them to get rightly ordered loves of their heart, that we would urge them to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love your neighbor as yourself, to get the order of the loves correct, that we would urge them to embrace all that God has for them, that we'd urge them to run after Christ, to give all they've got for Him, that we'd urge them that way that we'd urge them not to settle for anything less than God's best for their life, that dads, that's our role, that we'd urge them to pursue him, to listen to his voice, to hold fast to his commands, to follow his ways. And dads, you know where I'm going with this, right? It's really difficult to urge our kids to live lives worthy of God if we're not going down that road. You can't lead your kids to places you aren't. And so maybe this morning, this is a little bit of a a gut check time and say, hey, what kind of prince am I leaving across Chichigoff Island of life? And I know one of the tensions rising right now, right? One of the tensions is like, well, at some level we want to say, hey, kids, I want to show you the way. And then other parts is like, yeah. you don't want your kids to trace your footprints because where those footprints go, you're like, yeah, I don't want my kids going there. You don't want them to go down some of the same roads you went down. Fair enough. I think one of the things we offer as dads is hopefully the wisdom from our own life experiences to say, hey, when we strayed off the path, right, when we've gone the wrong way, that there's some lessons in life in that. Because we're not always going to get it right, dads. We're not. But here's the image I want to give you with this role of urging to live lives worthy of God. Here's what I want you to think about. That we don't approach this open meadow, this open field of life alone. That Jesus has gone before us. And the image I want you to have is not of grizzly bear prints in the mud and the sand. I actually want you to think of the footprints of your nail-pierced Savior and how He's come and gone before us. And here's our role as dads. We simply work this muscle, dads, We put our feet where Jesus put his, step after step after step. Just like Jesus said, he's only going to put his feet where the Father had put his. And now we say, Jesus, I'm only putting my feet as a dad where you put yours. And dads, we just keep putting our foot, we just one foot after another where Jesus put his. And if we'll do that by his grace and with his help, we'll get across this open field. And we'll be able to turn to our kids and say, hey, kids, follow me as I follow Christ. We're not going to get it right every time. And maybe this morning finds some of you dads and you feel like, man, you're just way off the beaten path. When you find yourself way off the path of where Jesus wants you to be on, here's wisdom. Just come back. Just come back. Look, take a moment, maybe this morning, look around and say, where's Jesus putting his feet now? And start putting your feet right back where he's put his. Just find his path again and get right back on it. If you're off the beaten path, it would be foolish to continue down that road. Wisdom is turn. Turn, look for Jesus' way again, and start putting your feet there. And then have the humility, right, 
takes humility to turn to your kids and say, hey, you know what? Dad hasn't always gotten it right. And I'm sorry for the ways that I've messed this up and fallen on my face and gone down the wrong road. But I want you to know I'm giving my best to get back in step, urging myself to live a life worthy of God and turning and urging you to do the same. So dads, here's your like three word, three footprint vision, a three footprint legacy that I'm calling us as dads to leave today. Because Chichagoff Island is still the ground of life. It's still plenty uncertain. The soil's still plenty unstable. And our kids are looking. They're longing to see the footprints of a father who will go before them, who will allow the kind of the gravity and weight, the gravitas of their own fathering to press the soil down. And you want to know where to put your feet? Just look. Where'd Jesus, where did he put his just keep putting them there. Dad, encouraging, comforting, urging. Just keep putting your feet where Jesus put his. And by his grace, you'll turn to your kids and you'll say, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. One final quote, and then I'll pray. I put this quote in your notes because I thought it was so helpful and I wanted you dads to have it to reflect upon. Thomas Kelly wrote a great book called Testament of Devotion. I commend the book to you. Here's what he said. Parents, if some of your children are seized with this imperative God hunger, don't tell them to snap out of it and get a job, but carry them, hear this, patiently in your love, or at least keep hands off and let the holy work of God proceed in their souls. Young people, kids, you who have in you the stirrings of perfection, the sweet, sweet rapture of God himself within you, be faithful to him until the last linger bit of self is surrendered and you are wholly God-possessed. So dads, let me encourage you today. It's a high and a holy calling to be a father. And let me comfort you with this reality. We don't always get it right, right? You can ask Lily and Kaylin the number of times I've fallen on my face and just said, I'm sorry, I didn't get that right. Dad's going to try to do better. We're human dads. We're not always going to get it right. So the comforting element is this, a sense the companionship and grace of Jesus. His grace is sufficient for all the times we've fallen on our face and our path has strayed the wrong way. And then the urging is this. The urging is just come back and keep putting your feet where Jesus put his. Because I believe, dads, if we'll do that, I believe one day we'll hear from our kids, thank you. Thank you for being the kind of father that was encouraging and comforting and urging us to live lives worthy of God. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for the gift of dads. Thanks for this beautiful metaphor in the scriptures that that's the father you are to us. And I pray for all the dads listening today. I pray you'd encourage their hearts. I pray you'd refresh their spirits. I pray you'd give them fresh energy by the Holy Spirit to keep their hands on the plow, to keep putting their feet where you put yours. 
that you would comfort them in your grace. If some this morning, it's a, a little bit of a level of conviction or, or maybe a little bit of a gut check for us as dads today to say, what kind of a trail am I leading? Where's this trail going? That today might be the day where we just get our eyes centered back again. Jesus, where'd you put your feet? And then we just keep putting our feet there. One after another after another. And we just thank you for all the children you've entrusted to us as dads. Thank you for their lives. We long for them to grow up as kids, a generation of children who will grow up and worship you and serve you and listen to your voice and hold fast to your commands. It will be a radiant light in this world. We pray your blessing on that generation and help us to be the dads you've created and called us to be. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.